Luke chapter number one. We will not have an evening service tonight. We, I think about everybody knows that. But in case you don't, no evening service tonight. But now next week, New Year's Eve, uh, we will be having morning and evening services, both. The evening service, we're going to do a lot of singing. So I've already got a few lined up to do that. Been got a list from Brother James Taylor. Be contacting some folks this week. And we'll have uh, several specials. We'll do some favorites. I'll have a Bible lesson. And we'll enjoy the things of God. Leaving out the old year and heading into the new. Luke chapter number 1, verse number 26. If you were in the candlelight service this morning, I enjoyed that, didn't you? It's amazing how dark this building is when lights are off, no matter what time of day it is. Uh, but uh, we're, we enjoyed that and appreciate you participating. Now, I tried to adjust the heat and air as best I know how. I checked just a minute ago, and one heater was running, one air conditioner was running. And they were both set at the same temperature. So we've got thermostats over here, thermostat over there, thermostat back there, so they don't all read exactly the same. Uh, but hopefully it'll be comfortable for you in here and you'll, you won't go to sleep. I don't want you to be refrigerated. But if you get too warm, you do this. And so we don't want you to do that. We want you to stay awake. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, have you noticed this is not some generic story? We got details. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, by the way, the, one of the key words to the Gospel of Luke is uh, certainty. Look over in chapter 1 for just a minute and verse uh, 3 and 4. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So this is the certainty that these are the things we believe, verse 1, a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So we have details. It's not some generic story. And it has those every marking of uh, truth and reality in it. The angel came unto her, verse 28, chapter number 1, and said, <clears throat> Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Not above women, but among women. Uh, there are some folks who try to elevate Mary too high. We don't worship Mary. We don't pray to Mary. Uh, Jesus is not angry at us up in heaven, and we have to approach his mother Mary to talk her into asking him to do something for us. That's the, that's the teaching. And none of those things are true. Listen, God's a God of grace. If he wasn't, we'd all be dead. He could have judged us at any time, but God's a gracious God. So hell, uh, thou art uh, blessed among women. And when she saw him, verse 29, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. I don't blame her. I mean, you know, if you're just living life and all of a sudden an angel appears in front of you and 
begins to speak with you, no matter what they say, I would think it would make a sharp and deep impact. And when it says she cast in her mind, it has the idea of she reckoned or reasoned thoroughly. She's thought it through thoroughly. And we have a reference like that in Matthew chapter 1 where uh, Joseph, while he thought on these things, that's the same word that's used here as she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. It's not that she was such a good person. Now, she was, but we don't earn God's favor by how we behave. We're not able to do that. Our good works, what does the Bible say about all our righteousness? All our righteousness is, is what? Filthy rags. That's the Bible. That's not me saying that. It's the Word of God. So she didn't earn something. She just was blessed. God, in His sovereign grace, chose Mary. She fit all of the qualifications that were needed, by the way. And so the angel said, Thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? She had not had any kind of physical contact, sexual contact with uh, a man. And so she asked that question, <clears throat> how can this be? And the angel answered and said unto her, the, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, as we read this, we've done it so many times, these 42 years here at First Baptist, and no doubt many of us, years beyond that. As we've read and reread this, uh, the Christmas story, the first coming, of the arrival of the baby Jesus, I pray, God, that it'll never get old to us, but it'll stay fresh. Speak to us through your precious word, and Lord, let us enjoy thy presence today. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Reports on X, and better known or formerly known as Twitter, yesterday said that all 27 electronic billboards went blank in Times Square in New York City. When they came back on, they, they had the story of the birth of Christ on them. I don't know how many of y'all saw that. How many saw that besides me? Got a handful. I thought that's very interesting. I don't know if somebody hacked it, if somebody bought it. But regardless, people were exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and the, the first coming of the Lord Jesus. We have, in the Bible, a report as well. Chapter 2, verse number 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel announced to them the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm reminded in Psalm 150, in verse number 6, Let everything that hath breath 
Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Oliver B. Green used to say it this way, if you're not going to praise God, drop dead. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. The reports from the Word of God. Though we've heard the story of the virgin birth many times, we should never, ever grow weary of it. There are three major doctrinal truths embedded in this that we need to see. The virginity of Mary is, is critically important. Look in Matthew chapter number 1, if you would. Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 23, just the first half of the verse. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Now, any birth to me is miraculous. I don't understand all that uh, biological stuff that takes place, but I know we're, we have a male seed and a female seed, and when they come together, there's this flash of light that takes place, and then the, the fertilized egg is uh, protected from any further penetration, and it becomes... Uh, by any more male seed, and so it migrates to the proper place in the woman's body and begins to grow, and in just a few days, things begin picking up, and then in the next uh, 10 weeks or so, you can see fingers and toes and eyes, and as the baby's forming, and uh, we're excited about that. We got a great grandbaby on the way, and we've been sending stuff back and forth to Ashley, and she'll send us stuff. Not, I sent her a picture of a, not a ultrasound, but a baby. Uh, in the womb. They, someone had photographed it and it was, it was beautiful. Did it look like us? Not exactly. But it will. And listen, if it's not alive at conception, what is it? Dead things don't grow. It's not a lump of cells because everything that child will be is encoded in its DNA at conception. The color of its hair, the color of its eyes, tone of its skin, its bone structure, all those things are encoded uh, by uh, the, the DNA by the chromosomes and all this biological matter that husband and wife uh, contribute uh, to that situation. Luke chapter 1, verse 27. Luke 1, verse 27, a virgin espoused to a man. And so verse 31, we read again, uh, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. The virginity of Mary is a doctrinal truth. It was necessary for Christ to be virgin-born so that he would not be tainted with sin like we are. Now, we're not Pelagians here, for those of you who study theology. Pelagianism teaches that you're not a sinner until you sin. And we don't believe that. We believe that you're born a sinner. You're born of a sinful nature. Now, children are innocent. When, and uh, those who have mental defect and can't understand right from wrong, I believe the grace of God covers all of them. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But you know, you don't have to teach your children to do wrong. You have to teach them to do right. And the, the first word that many kids learn besides their name is the word no. No, no, no. And so the baby will come up to you and go, no, because they've heard it so much. But that's that, that nature that needs to be tamed and and uh, brought in. So the virgin birth of, or the virginity of Mary is critical. The incarnation of Christ is a critical truth. Here in Luke chapter number uh, 1 and verse 35, Luke chapter 1 verse 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
our, our God came to this earth. We, we couldn't get to Him, so He came to us. Matthew chapter number 1, Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. So we have the virginity of Mary, the incarnation of Christ, where you have deity and flesh together. And then to take that one step further, we have the hypostatic union. Now I realize that may be a hard word for you, but you've heard it many times. But let me read you a verse of scripture that backs it up. Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter number 1, verse 3. Who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels. So our Christ is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. I'll give you one more New Testament reference. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter number 2. I love this chapter. Verse number 6. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. These are all great doctrinal truths. The conclusion that we would draw from these three doctrines is, if he came in a real body, then he's going to, and he got out of the grave in a real body, then he's coming back in a real body. The same Jesus that you've seen go into heaven shall so come in like manner. Now, the lowly birth of Christ, the promise of the first Christmas runs from chapter 1 all the way verse 26, all the way through verse 55, through the end of the chapter almost. And we think about the birth of Christ, and he, was, he became poor. Read with me in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Stop and think about what Jesus heard in heaven. Have you ever pondered it? Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. All he heard was the praises of the saints and of the angels. And he left all of that to come down here to this rude and crude earth. To be limited in the, in the, in the fact that he had a human body that could get tired and hungry and all those things. Could feel pain. And, and so he traded heaven for this. That you and I might trade this for heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. He came to earth in a lowly birth. In Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7, the Bible says there was no room for them in the end. See that right there? The last clause, because there was no room for them in the end. Didn't say there wasn't any room, just said there wasn't any room for them. Now, I may be reading a little bit between the lines, but Nazareth was not a nice city. It was a, a, a uh, looked down upon, despised city. It was a, a considered low-class people that lived there, so to speak. And so when Jesus 
uh, Jesus's parents, as they were assumed to be, Mary and Joseph, got there and they had to register. And then they had to say, well, we're from Nazareth. And the guy said, we don't have any room for you. You can go out here to the, to the cattle barn, go out here where the animals are. You can go out here where the manger is. You can, you can sleep out there. So I may be reading more into it than the text says, but it does say no room for them. didn't say there wasn't any room at all, just no room for them. I guess we'd call that discrimination today, wouldn't we? When I visited Egypt, and we were out near the Mediterranean Sea, not too far from the Gaza crossing, about 25 miles. I can't, wish I could remember the name of the place, but it's not words I say very often, so it's hard to remember. And as we negotiated the room, I just stood there quietly and listened, and it was $35 a night, including three full meals a day for each of us. I thought, that's great. And as soon as I opened my mouth and said something, the guy changed the rate sheets. Because I was American, we had to pay an extra $60 a night, and it went from $35 to $95. But we still got the three meals. It was good. But that kind of discrimination is not unusual. Uh, here in America, though, and you go to a motel, everybody gets the same price unless they've got some kind of club or something that they're in. But we all get the same price. There's no room for them in the inn. The only king who was aware of his birth wanted to kill him. Look in Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter number 2. By the way, the three wise men, we'll point this out a little bit deeper when we get moving along, but the three wise men did not see Jesus in the manger. We'll read the scriptures properly. Chapter 2 in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Skip down to verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, and they didn't mock him, but what it meant was they were warned of God not to go back and talk to him, so they went home another way. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So these wise men had said uh, that he's born, and by the way, they should have known uh, if they'd had the Old Testament, but Herod surely should have known. Matthew, uh, my, excuse me, Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says that he was born in Bethlehem Ephrata. It's, it's in the, the prophecies in Scripture. So the only king aware of his birth wanted to kill him. That's not a good thing. Kings can hurt you. The angelic announcement was to shepherds. They didn't go to town. They didn't get the business crew together. They didn't get the chamber of commerce or uh, the local politicians together. They went out to the lowest hired people in the community, which were the shepherds. And the angel communicated to those shepherds that there's the Christ child had been born. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. What an announcement was made. David was chided by his older brother as watching over those few sheep in the wilderness. Remember in 1 Samuel 17? 
He goes out there, and there's Goliath on the other side of the valley, daring the people of the men of Israel to do anything. And David said, is there not a cause? And his older brother said, what are you doing here? You've been watching those few little sheep in the wilderness. I know the naughtiness of thine heart. And, of course, we know what happened. David wound up killing Goliath, and there was a great victory that day. But it was a look down on profession. They didn't put the oldest son out there watching the sheep. They put the youngest son. So it was the lowest level of job you could get. Uh, I remember as a kid, the lowest level job you could get was throwing newspapers. Anybody else start out like that besides me? Got a few. Had one of them bicycles with a big old spring in the front of it so it would take all that weight and a great big old basket out there. And I hated the B&I review, the Business Industrial Review. I had a basket that would hold about 60 uh, newspapers properly folded. But when it was the B&I review, it would hold about 12. And so I'd go out and get, deliver those 12 and come back and pick up the others and go back and back and forth. But it was a job, and I forgot what they paid us. I think it was... Seemed like to me we charge folks, I don't know, maybe 40 cents a week or something for the newspaper. And uh, we were considered self employed, but you were only self employed to the fact that they didn't claim you as an employee because you had to do exactly what they said do. But it was a job, and so these shepherds got a job. They're out there watching sheep, it's nighttime. Uh, I don't know what the temperature was like there. Whether I don't think the birth of Christ was necessarily on December 25th. But it's the day we Christians celebrate it, amen. We can pick any day we want to and, and honor the Lord. And so uh, these shepherds uh, were uh, announced, uh, had the announcement made, that the Christ child is coming. Well, there's one more person who got an announcement. Mary. She's just a young girl. We don't know, probably in her teen years. I've read some literature that said she was as young as 13. I hesitate uh, at that. I'm thinking probably closer to 16 or 18. But regardless, she's a young lady from a poor family. And how do you know that? Because she's marrying Joseph, who was just a carpenter. He wasn't a rich man. So the families had to be on about the same social level for them to get married. Gabriel spoke to Mary of her son, Jesus. He gave her five truths that he laid out for her. Five great truths. He said, he shall be great. Exceedingly so is the idea. Verse uh, 32 in chapter number 1. He shall be great. Exceedingly so. <clears throat> he shall be called the son of the highest. He shall sit on David's throne. He shall rule over a unified Israel. If you'll remember, <clears throat> about seven, 725 B.C. or so is when the ten northern tribes were taken away captive. And the two southern tribes went into captivity about 575, 585, somewhere around there. And they spent 70 years from that point in Babylonian captivity before a number of them came back home. But the, the country was divided under the reign of, of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. Uh, he said, my daddy, uh, you know, he, he chastised you with whips. I'm going to chastise you with scorpions. That's a real good way to influence people, isn't it? He said, my 
my little finger be heavier than my daddy's hands upon you. And he said, I'm going to make you obey me. And they said, sorry, bud. And so 10 uh, tribes uh, departed. But when Jesus rules and reigns, he's going to rule over a unified Israel. I think this last attack has really unified the country. They say we're all Israel. And by the way, there are Palestinians who are fighting on the side of Israel. There are Muslims who are fighting on the side of Israel. They live in Israel and their testimony is, we're treated well over here. We've not been mistreated. And they don't have that kind of Islamic faith that makes them want to kill everybody that disagrees with them. And so uh, it's an amazing thing, these, uh, these distinctions that they have, the Shia Muslims, the Sunni Muslims, the Wahhabis. Uh, there's some other little different branches of those things. But when Jesus comes back to this earth, he's going to rule over a unified Israel. And can I tell you this, he's going to reign forever. Now there's a thousand years called the millennial reign of Christ, where he'll rule from the throne of his father David, but... When that's over with, he's not going to quit reigning. He's still going to reign. Now note the high privilege of Mary. Her virtue was honored, yea, it was essential. As he said, thou art high, thou hast found favor with God. The idea is this, behold, a virgin shall be with child. A virgin. It's miraculous when any birth takes place. Uh, there's a lot of miscarriages that happen. My wife and I have suffered with, through two of those. Of course, harder on her physically than it was me. But we, we got two children in heaven. I believe they went right on to glory. But it's a miraculous thing when, when a child is conceived and it makes it all the way through. You, if you know anything at all about the biological process, it's utterly amazing what God does. So her virtue was honored, yet it was essential. She was a virgin. She'd never been touched by a man. And I know I've been told that I need to quit preaching like that. Not, nobody here's done that to me, but I've had people in the community say, Preacher, you might as well give up on telling young folks to stay virgins. And I'm thinking, why? They said, they're not going to do that. We need to educate them so they can be sexually active and be safe. I think the best thing to teach them is total abstinence. And, uh, and it's the biblical thing to do, and that way you don't bring any baggage to the marriage altar with you, and uh, you're, you're pure, and you, you learn the mystery of love and of life together. And certainly Mary was a virgin. She had not been touched by a man, and that's reiterated all through the Scripture. Now, she did have children later on. Jesus was her firstborn. But there are other children that Joseph fathered. But when you get to the cross, Joseph is not there. And the best I can assume is that Joseph had died somewhere along the line and was not on the scene anymore. Look in the book of 1 Timothy for just a second. 1 Timothy. Chapter number 3 and verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up to glory. There is the mystery of the divine conception. 
I don't know how to explain it. I'm reading what, I, what the Bible says in chapter 1 and verse 35. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. I'm reminded in uh, Genesis chapter number 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. What I see there and what I read here leads me to think that God merely spoke into existence in her womb the conception of the Christ child. How do we explain creation? God spoke it into existence. So that doesn't make sense. Well, tell me something else that does. Everything didn't come from nothing. That's for sure. Nothing can't create anything. And so God spoke when there wasn't anything at all. God spoke this universe into existence and numbered all the stars, gave every star its own musical note, and placed them in heaven where they ought to be, and placed this earth exactly where it needs to be for us to live comfortable lives with the, the temperatures that we have. And so he did all that. He said, let there be, and there was. And you read through chapter 1, let there be, let there be, let there be. And after six days, God rested. Well, here we see that God, I believe, used the same approach. The power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Mary asked the same question. How can this be? Look in verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord be it unto, uh, unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed. She'd asked that question in verse 34. How can this be? Seeing I know not a man. But she was settled with what the angel said. I want to tell you I'm settled with what this Bible says. I got saved in October 1974. I was living the kind of life that people my age live. Back then I got married at 18. I'm 21 years old. I could do what I wanted to do. I did what I wanted to. But along came the Spirit of God and began to make me uncomfortable. I began to sense the emptiness of my life. And because of that emptiness, I began to, to read the Scriptures I was challenged to do so, but I, was, I began to read the Bible some, and it didn't take very long for me to figure out, if this is what a Christian is, that's my problem, because I'm not one. We ask that same question, we're going to have to be settled and satisfied by faith. Mary said, all right, if that's what the Lord wants, let it be so. And she carried the Christ child in her womb for nine months. The virgin birth was necessary because our Savior had to be sinless. Romans chapter number 8. You don't have to turn to all these verses. I'll read them off to you. You can just jot it down and look it up later on. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. God came to us. Because we couldn't go to Him. We were separated. Isaiah chapter 59. What separates us from God? Our sin does. Is God alright with that? No. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
God showed up on the scene as soon as man sinned in the garden and declared himself to be against the enemy of man's soul. Mary's testimony was, and she has seven things she said, starting in verse 48. He hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. By the way, back up to verse 47 for just a second. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary had to be saved just like everybody else had to be saved. Mary's not part of the Trinity. Mary's not involved in your salvation. She had to be saved. So she said, uh, the Lord hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. There's another thing about the poverty of Christ's birth. Verse 49, he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. Verse 50, his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Verse 51, he has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Verse 52, he hath put down the mighty and from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Verse 53, he hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath sent empty away. Then verse 54, he hath opened his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Boy, that's an unusual word, isn't it? When's the last time you said hoping? Probably the last time you read this text of Scripture. I do remember country folk using it some. When you go back, my grandparents lived down in Mississippi, near uh, between Clarksdale and Marks, Mississippi. And to get there, you had to get off the paved road and go down a gravel road. And after a while, you went across a wooden bridge. You got back on another gravel road, went down there and went way back up. And there was a swamp on one side, swamp on the other side. And that's where they lived. Had, I guess my granddaddy had 64 acres. They called it a square back in those days. And that's where they they lived and where they raised their kids. And they talked a lot like this King James Bible reads. You know why? They'd soak their minds and their hearts in it so much that it just became natural to speak Bible words. The shepherds responded to the angelic announcement. We've already read that. The wise men responded to a star. It is very likely that these wise men had some leftover teachings from Daniel and that they believed that and what they picked up, they, they said, all right, here's a sign and, and we're going to follow this sign and see if we can find he that's born king of the Jews. You read in Matthew chapter 2, we've already read over there about that. And they, the Bible says they went and into the house and found the child. Let me be sure and show you that over in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11 and when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. When he had, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream not to go back the same way. Have you ever pondered this? I wonder if the wise men gave them that money and that money was used to help them flee from King Herod. It had to cost some money. And so they went down into Egypt, then they come back out of Egypt, and instead of going back to Bethlehem, they wind up going to, to Nazareth. Well, that's the account of the virgin birth. Let me give you some practical thoughts about it, and we'll be done. God promised some things to the nation of Israel. God's promises to us are just as sure. 
He promised Israel He'd send the Messiah. He promised, behold, a virgin shall, shall be with child. And so to us, he says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What a promise. Secondly, simple faith, just believing him brings blessings and honors the Lord. Just simply being grateful. We live in an ungrateful age. People are getting hard. Rude towards one another. My wife and I have talked some about flying, and she said, I'm not flying anywhere till they get them idiots off airplanes. And every so often you see somebody get on the airplane and have some big row. They didn't get to sit where they wanted to sit, or something else happened, or they were told to turn something off, and they go bananas, go ballistic. All of our Madison Avenue style advertisements are all geared. To, to the individual. You deserve a break today. You ought to get this. You ought to have that. If we got what we deserved, we wouldn't like it. We live in a wonderful country. It's not a perfect country, but it's a wonderful country. You can be what you want to be if you'll work at it. Any of our young people could, could work and be elected to political office in the future. If you want to be an engineer, you can study and become an engineer in our country. If you want to be an accountant, like Megan just graduated college, got a job waiting on her, amen. Fulfilling her dream, fulfilling what she had in her heart, what she, what she wanted to do. America's a great place. We're blessed. But we ought to just believe Him because He has been so good to us. I believe God has blessed America so that we can send missionaries out. We can fund the, the move to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. Thirdly, even the best of us needs a Savior. Mary, who by all accounts was a pure, sweet young girl, we know that she had not been uh, sexually active. She'd kept her virginity. Uh, we, we find nothing in here uh, but nice things about her and how she responded about the Lord Jesus, but she said, God is my Savior. She needed to be saved. The best of us need to be converted by grace. You see, we can't go to heaven because we're good enough. But if you want to be judged by your works, you can be. But you won't like the outcome. Fourthly, the virgin birth was not the final purpose of God. Not only was it not the final purpose of God, but it's not sufficient in itself to grant us salvation. We're not so much today worshiping and, rem and remembering a baby as we're remembering the arrival of a Savior. Those are two different things. The sinless virgin-born Son of God had to go to the cross and the shadow of the cross stretched across his birth, his teen years, right up to the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and all the way to the crucifixion that took place on Calvary. In the incarnation, God came to man, Emmanuel. In the millennial kingdom, heaven will be brought to earth. 
But in between these two, men have been passing into heaven, those that have been redeemed, but were coming back. This world is not my home, but I am coming back when God remakes it. I've read the last book of the Bible. And in Revelation chapter number 19, King Jesus is going to be coming out of heaven, followed by the armies in heaven, riding on white horses. It'll be God to get me on a horse. I don't have a good history with them. But we'll come out of heaven riding on those white horses behind him, and he will fight the battle, not us. Oh, what a Savior we serve. And yes, he was virgin born. Yes, he was a little baby. Yes, he suckled at Mary's breast. Yes, he did all the things that babies do. And he did all the things growing up except no sinfulness. We find him at the age of 12 debating the doctors of the law in the temple. And for the next 18 years, the scriptures are silent. Till Jesus steps on the scene. Begins to preach, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What a Savior. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking about.